off and we are rolling. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Next 90 with Nick. I am your host, Nick, and this is The Next 90 with Nick. I have a lovely chap with me here in the studio today. Uh, he is a now a brother of mine. Uh, he's a king, but he is formerly known as Mr. A, a man who came to me with a good life, searching for a great one. And his name is Mr. Kelly Robinson. Kelly, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's actually good to have you on the show. I mean, it's it's kind of surreal because we talked about this, right? We talked about that this moment was going to happen, but now it's like right here in front of us. Absolutely. And uh, it's strange, actually, because I've become very uh, fond of Mr. A. So to start <laughs> using my actual name again is a bit unique. Well, let's talk about Mr. A. So what happens in the, in the blackout experience is that you, uh, whenever a coaching client comes in, I... I, I I take away their name, you know, so you were Kelly Robinson and then you came in and you're Mr. A and Mr. A is kind of this enigma, right? He, he's this a man searching for what he ultimately wants. What was the power behind being called Mr. A as opposed to your real name? I think it's just the opportunity to start again. So, you know, for me, there was a number of reasons why we connected and the message that you were pushing out connected with me in the first place. And I reached out and I chased you down, I think yeah, you did. You know, about a hundred or so days ago. Um, but for, for me, coming in as Mr. A, all the baggage is behind me. Nobody knows who I am. There's a group of four guys, never met them before in my life. And I can stand up and be the person that I wanted to be, which was the reason why I was attracted to this program in the first place. Right. And, and also, too, in that process, you get to talk about uh, Kelly. I do. And, and, and kind of look at him as like this you know, third party person and be able to talk to him like, look, Kelly, you can't do this. You can't do that. And it, it, what, what does that distance between, you know, Mr. A and the, the former Kelly give to you? Well, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think it's got a lot of benefits, but one in particular is you're actually looking and you're, you know, you're looking at yourself objectively. You're making decisions. You're almost coating yourself mm -hmm. as a person yeah, looking no, at the fair. individual you are. Right. And I think, you know, as we've gone through this 90 day process, as we've gone through the blackout experience, that's really important. Yeah. And it's been really useful. And I love it too. Like, and it, it's really weird for me too, because I like I still want to call you, you know, Mr. A, Mr. B, Mr. C, Mr. D. But like at the end of this, so Kelly is sitting here now, um, forty-eight hours or so ish, maybe seventy-two hours post blackout graduate, yeah. and in that process, he gets to reintroduce himself to himself first, and then to his brothers and to to me and the other coaches, um, and then ultimately claim that he's a king because. You are a king. Why, thank you. And how do you feel like post-blackout? Uh, well, I'm still sore, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but it was absolutely one of the hardest things I've ever done. So uh, a little sore, still really digesting all of the lessons. There was so much I learned in that 50 hours, yeah. so much I took away from it. And there's some immediate things that you, 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 know, you take with you the minute you're kind of on your way home. Right. Um, but every day that I've been away and, and thinking more about it and writing more stuff down I'm, I'm taking more and more lessons out of that whole process i mean you had some some massive growth but i did before before we get to that i kind of want to rewind the clock a little bit sure. <clears throat> prior to the next 90 prior to all this uh, as you can hear he uh he doesn't have a boston accent he doesn't have a texas accent he's from across the pond you grew up in in uh, the united kingdom correct i did yeah i'm from london oh from the, actually i didn't know you're from actually london, london yeah i'm from london i'm from east london oh really what part uh, so originally Walthamstow, but I grew up in a place called Woodford. 
I have no idea where that is, so I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> E18, if you want the zip code, or the E18. zip code equivalent. So is it near Fulham at all? No, no, that's okay. on the other side. Uh, so I am, if you if you think about the Olympics, I'm yes. five stops on the tube from the Olympics okay. to give you a, a general landmark. Well, most of our audience will have no fucking clue what you're saying, <laughs> but there might be some some chaps out there that do. Um, so you grew up, you grew up in, in, in London. What was it like growing up? Um, pretty much the same as everywhere else, I guess. You just, it's what you know at the time. No, uh, no, but for you in particular, because I, I know you shared about some of this stuff. Um, like, you grow up rich, you grow up poor, like... Oh, right, okay, so my background. No, no, far from it. Um, you know, I come from the equivalent, I guess you would call it, like, uh, welfare. Mm-hmm. We call it a council house in the UK. Uh, so single parents, parents divorced. My dad went to live in another country. We didn't really have much contact with him early on. Um, I grew up in a single parent family. We didn't have a lot of money. Uh, my mum remarried a little bit later on. But, uh, you know, I was one of the kids that got the free school meals and, you know, free school uniform. Everybody in the UK wears a school uniform, which is normally a, some form of suit and tie, which is completely alien to here. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so all that was provided by the state for me. And so, so not wealthy at all. Brothers, sisters or? Yeah, I have one sister that's a couple of years younger than me. Okay. So what was that like growing up um, on welfare, essentially? I mean, we, we had a loving family. We spent a lot of time together. Um, I probably shouldered a lot more responsibility in early age than the most. A mm. uh, big part of my up, you know, my growth when I was younger was sort of standing out and looking out for my mum, and so I did that. And uh, so, I, what, at what age was your father like, kind of out of the picture? Uh, I don't really remember him. Probably two or three. Oh, really? That, yeah. That so we, I got to I got to know my father probably more so as I was a teenager. Wow. Uh, so he you, was living. You were essentially the man of the house. Well, mum, 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 remarried when I was about nine or ten, but up until that point, absolutely, yeah. Wow, wow. So, okay, so you grow up in 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 London. Mm-hmm. Um, then you grow up on essentially welfare. Yep. Um, but then you've you've been wildly successful in 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 your life. Um, was that later on in life, or when did you start kind of becoming an entrepreneur and 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 seeing the fruits of of that labor? What, let, actually, let me start with a different question. Okay. What what made you want to go into business for yourself? Um. For some reason, I always wanted to own my own company, and I didn't. I didn't really know what that was or what the company was going to be. I don't think anybody but does, I, <laughs> right? But I, I love the mechanics of the way businesses come together, the right. different components working together to to deliver an outcome, and that was always something that was fascinating for me. So even from an early age, people would say, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I'd say, "I want to run my own company." Um, and I, I think subconsciously, when you when you constantly think about something, effectively you manifest it in life. It's a big part of what we talk about 100%. here. 100%. Th- thoughts are things. Like you ultimately become your thoughts, you know, and those things manifest in your life. Absolutely. And yeah. so I, I think, you know, from a very early age, I was doing that. You know, people would play video games when we were kids and it was on a Sinclair 48K Spectrum to show my age, but I would play the games that were emulated. <laughs> you probably don't know what no, that is. Do okay. This is how, how long before Atari is this? <laughs> uh, it's, it's just after Atari. but oh, it was it's after uh, Atari. So yeah, they're yeah. not good. I'm good. I, I know but this. Very small memory, you know, load the games off cassette tapes. And uh, I always used to play the business simulation games, so that was that was really? something. Oh, yeah, that was something I was into from. There was there was busy, business simulation games even that early on, huh? Yep, emulating running a software company. Wow, which is what I ended up doing. Ironically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, so then you you finish. Uh, what do you guys call it? Like. Uh, where Harry Potter and all them go to school, is it? Uh... High school. <laughs> so finished finish comprehensive, comprehensive school at 16. Okay. So you're done with school at 16, and yeah. then did you go to university or? So I went to college uh, for a period of time. And when I say a period of time, probably seven months, I think. Okay. And then all you're, in. Then you're done. 
Well, no, I mean, you're not technically done. I was done. Oh, okay. I remember I remember vividly sitting around a machine shop one day uh, wearing a blue uniform, training to be an engineer and thinking, this is not what I want to do with my life. Right. Absolutely not what I'm going to do in my life. And so that point onwards, I decided to make a change. And then what was that change? And I I classically trained as a COBOL programmer. I mean, really showing my age. Um, but I fell in love with sales. And I kept applying for sales jobs until I got my foot in the door in a sales role and started in that. Okay. And I started off like many people in real estate. And then I went into recruitment and headhunting. And how old were you around this time? When I moved into recruitment and headhunting, I was 19. 19, okay. Yeah. So then when did you start? Because, <clears throat> so I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. Kelly built up a very big uh, recruitment and uh, headhunting technology, technology uh, software company. He sold that, and that's what actually got him to move over here to Newport Beach, California. Um, so how long did that take? When, How far into your sales career do you say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to work for myself, and I'm going to start this company? Um, so I started that company at 27. So I started on my own, first of all, at 23. Okay. And we built a business from there. Um, but I was working for somebody at the same time, so it was kind of a joint venture. But at the age of 27, with my eldest son, who's, who's just born at that point in time, he, I think he was four or five months old, we decided we wanted to go out full time and totally commit, go all in on ourselves and build our own business. And, you know, my wife's on maternity leave, so Wendy's on maternity leave. She's she's not earning any money. Um, I'm just about to quit a pretty well paid job and give up the shares in the business that we JV to go all in on ourselves. That's a pretty, uh, pretty scary proposition, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I owe that decision to her because she's the one that turned around and said, I believe in you, just go for it. Mm. And that's exactly what we did. The irony of that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is, this is, uh, is going to come full circle. That's folks. the 300 story, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, what a precarious time. Like a lot of the people in the audience, you know, they, they, they ask me like, oh man, did you come from money? Or, you know, like, you go, what got you your start? And it's like, I didn't come from money. It was a shitty time to start my my business, but the one thing that you touched on is that you went all in on yourself. Yep. And you had the support of your wife. Absolutely. I mean, those are two key elements. If you guys are listening right now intently, like those are two key elements. If you're a man and, and or a woman, like if you have the support of your partner and you're ready to go all in on yourself and your thoughts become the things, you can be successful. You know, and I mean, you had a child. Like, yes. I mean, I, I have had two kids in the time that I've started multiple businesses, made radical financial moves, but because I went all in on myself and I had the support of Nicole, my wife, like things have worked out. Thus this conversation that we're having right now. Absolutely. So was it peaches and cream from the, from the beginning? No, I mean, we, we built the business with no investment. So we pleased together the money, me and a partner, uh, or myself, wife and my partner. And we started that company off and we decided that we didn't want to just be a business that was, you know, two or three of us selling, um, but we want to expand it. So we took the money we got and we invested it in hiring people from day one. So we started slightly bigger than we probably So reinvesting back into yourself. Absolutely. Every cent went back into that company. Yeah. And we, I think because we went all in and we literally went all in, we put, our, you know, everything on the line. I got rid of the previous business. I walked away from the job. We walked away from the really expensive company car that we had and everything else. And we said, okay, we're going to make this work. Like there was no other options. No, 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 no other option. There was no way back. I mean, if this failed, we'd end up with a huge debt and I'd end up getting a job. And probably going right back to where you didn't want to be, which was, you know, on the support of the state and, and welfare, <laughs> which which is probably, if you don't, if you look at it at a very high level, was probably a driving force, you know, like never wanting to put your children in the same position that 
you know, you yourself had put it put in subconsciously or consciously had to be a, a motivating factor. Oh, completely. Yeah. I wanted them to have all of the opportunities and to start from a, a better vantage point than I did. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, how long of a run was it before you're like, this is fucking working? Um, and, and you start, you know, seeing the fruits of your labor, the profits, so on and so forth. So, I mean, we, f- first year was really tough. Then after that, things seemed to click and we went from, you know, less than a million to 10 million in revenue relatively quickly. Wow. We grew to 50, 60 people. But, and there's a story here. Um, one of our, can I use company names here? Cause of course. Historic. So one of our clients was a, a big customer of ours. They were called MCI Welcome. I remember uh, MCI. Yeah. All right. And so yeah. we had a whole bunch they of money. Like, they were like one of the biggest telecom companies in the world. Absolutely. So we grew to this ginormous number and they were like a third of our business. And I wake up one morning and realized that they went bankrupt. They, uh, they, yeah, they'd gone bankrupt and owed us a load of money. Oh, shit. So, so we, I mean, we dug deep. We went back in again and we managed to literally work our way out of that hole. And it was literally a hole. We were, you know, there was borderline. Do we, do, you know, do we fold the company up? Do we walk away from the the debts that we've got bankrupt it and, and move on. And we chose not, we chose to try and trade our way out of it. And that's what we managed to do. So we learned a really valuable lesson. There. Not to have put all your eggs in uh, one basket. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and not to, not to sit there and go, Hey guys, we're on easy street. Cause that's exactly what we thought. Well, we there, you know, one of the things we talk about inside of uh, blackout inside the next 90 is there are no, what? No, <laughs> there's no easy days. And, and there's no finish lines. Right. Like you, you learn that the, uh, the hard way with me up on up on the ranch, but uh, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a second. So, all right. So you're you're X amount of years in. You guys kind of almost folded, but then you rise from the rise from the ashes again. Mm-hmm. And then you had a uh, you had what every entrepreneur wants. Every entrepreneur dreams of is that that exit, right? That that big yep. bite at the apple. Mm-hmm. So you guys sold the company. So not that company, no. So the the first businesses were. Contract recruitment businesses. Okay. We were providing labor into technical organizations, telecoms organizations. And it was about the time when recruitment started moving from paper based to online job boards. Digital, yeah. And we realized that our guys were spending far too much time cutting and pasting job descriptions onto different job boards. So we decided to build a tool to automate that. Mm. And Ironically, it was that tool that became the biggest business because we started selling it initially to our clients, uh, sorry, our um competitors and then we started selling it onto our clients and building this job distribution platform which you know is what brought me to the U- the US eventually so it was that company that we sold okay so it was a spin off of, yeah. of of the other company so one kind of metamorphosized into into the next absolutely yeah and and then you sold you sold that business and it yep. wasn't for for small money. Nope. Are you, a... are you allowed to talk about how much money you sold it for? Yeah. So we sold so we sold it twice. In fact, really. Um, yeah. So I originally took investment in the UK from okay. a really large newspaper group. They were the ones that gave us the money to bring the business to the US. We came to the US. We grew it to about four point five million in revenue, and then spoke to the guys back at the UK and said, "Look, we need bigger investment. This is a huge opportunity here." we're not going to crack the US with nine sales guys. We need, you know, need 50. Whole, yeah. Um, that was never going to work. So we started to put together a, a deal for private equity to buy the company. And at that point made a strategic, uh, met a strategic buyer and uh, did a deal for them. And so you sold it once to the private equity and then you guys had the, the big exit, which was uh, almost close to $100 million. It was $82 million. 80? 82. $82 million. So $82 million. Uh, you've <clears throat> Were you living in the U.S. at the time? Yeah. Okay, so came from London, 
grew up on welfare, uh, got out of school at 16, dropped out of university seven yep. months later uh, in sales, decides to go all in on himself with the support of his, his, his wife, constantly reinvesting into himself in the long game, understanding that there really was no exit and there was no finish line. Nope. He moves to Newport Beach, one of the greatest places to live, in my opinion. That's happened where I live in all of the world. Uh, one of the wealthiest places in the entire world. Um, and now you've got this new life here and you sold the company. I know you didn't put $82 million in your pocket, but nope. you, you put a handsome share of that into your pocket. And life is good. Absolutely. Life is good. Like, so what does a man who has done all of that, like have any business doing reaching out to me? Because if you take away all of that success, you just move it to one side for a second. And I was then running what was my company that now belongs to somebody else. It was a a non-demanding job where I was spending way too much of my time on the corporate side of things. So living out of what's going on internally, justifying internal arguments and you know creating PowerPoint decks, which I get no interest or no enthusiasm from and no juice from, in fact, that I decided it was time to, to move on again. And so once again, had the conversation with my wife. This was about a year ago. Had the conversation with my wife. We're about to be an awful lot poorer because you know this company was paying me lots of money yeah and uh, and it wasn't the most demanding job of the world so you know i was having a pretty good life with not actually putting too much time in but unless you're actually working unless you're putting some effort unless you're growing it's there's no it's it's just flat unless you're progressing you're digressing or regressing so i that then i wanted to point point that out and make that connection because i think a lot of people think like if i have money then i will like if i could only and i myself have got caught up in the same thing mm -hmm. i'm like oh man if i just sell one of these fucking companies i have and then i would have the time to do this and then i would and the truth of that is a fucking lie like it's a lie like life is about growing like you probably had more fun in the struggle than you did collecting a big fat seven-figure salary after having made millions of dollars selling the business i completely it's a hundred percent it's how we first met it's exactly one of our original conversations was around that for sure yeah and and that's what that, that's what the whole next 90 is built upon is this constant idea of like no finish lines like recalibrating and continuing continuing to grow and go and grow so you so you end up in in a spot sold the company, moved to Newport Beach, you know, life for all intents and purposes is good, mm -hmm. but you know that it's missing a lot. You know, that's missing a lot. Where were you at? Like, uh, like on a day-to-day -day basis, some of your sedations that you were like the patterns that you had gotten into as a result of all of this. I mean, life was just on, on pause. I'd go to work and do my job, you know, create some PowerPoint slides or, or, or make some presentations. And, and it felt like the, the life wasn't there. And then I'd come back home, we'd put on some trashy TV, we'd drink a couple of bottles of wine, uh, maybe sit in the backyard, smoke a cigarette. You know, none of the things I used to do when I was building the company, but the things I'd introduced into my life in the last three years. And when I looked at it, I realized it was just a, a lack of fight, a lack of boredom, a lack of needing to do the work. Right. Just really missing that enthusiasm for life. And just, I filled it with crap. Just kind of existing, not necessarily living. Yeah, no growth, no yeah. growth whatsoever. Yeah, so uh, a, a mutual friend turned uh, Kelly on to the podcast. Yeah. Um, and he actually told me about you. What, what was crazy is, like, I wasn't ready. Like, I wasn't ready to take on, you know, these coaching clients, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, because I, I I very much felt like unworthy, you know, not like who the fuck am I? You know, I, I was still getting over the fact that there was actually people listening to what I said. <laughs> like the first time someone said binge list and I was like, wait, what? People are binging? Like this is cool. And then uh, so finally, you know, I was I was ready. Um, I, I reached back out to to you. We had what about a forty-five minute, fifty-minute call? Yeah, probably. Yeah, forty-five, fifty minutes. So you're married. How long have you been married? Uh, for eighteen years. Eighteen years. And you got children. Two, two boys. Yeah. Yep. Eight ages. Uh, twenty and seventeen. Okay, so those are cru- crucial ages. These these boys are now becoming men. They are. Yeah. Um, they're looking to you for leadership, for stewardship, and I mean, what do you think they were thinking of dad? You know, drinking two bottles of wine, smoking some some cigs at night. I mean, you know, they'd, they'd make throwaway comments. And that was probably enough. But I wasn't listening. I wasn't, and I wasn't give me an example it. of a throwaway comment. Oh, once again, you're drinking again, are you? Oh, okay. So we can't go and do this. You know, th- those types of things. Mm. It just, it just they were throwaway comments, but there was more meaning to them than, than probably I... I just didn't want to hear it. Right. I, I didn't want to hear it. Right, you were numb to it. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the, the sedation is... Mm, let me just be very clear. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with having wine there's nothing wrong with martinis there's nothing wrong with it, unless you're doing it in a manner that's trying to disconnect from your your present reality so here he is living in newport beach you know like for all intents and purposes providing the american dream Absolutely. you know like I know, I know that most of our listeners in the united states but like you hear about that all the time the american dream living in the best neighborhood you know in in the best like city in the best county in the entire country. Um, some of you in New York and Miami might argue, but still give me this. And then, you know, you got, you got the, the 2.2 kids and the white picket fence and the million dollar exit. And you're just fucking not miserable, but you're just blah. Yeah, exactly. Blah, blah. Life is just like, it's just, everything was so, so yeah. How was your, how was your marriage at the time? Uh, it's same. So, so yeah. we, you know, we not bad, not good. No, not bad, not good, but, Almost in some respects, possibly you could say roommates yeah. in some respects. You know, that's, we, a fa- that's a fa- I think a lot of people that are listening that are married could probably definitely relate to, to that, like roommates, you know, carpool buddies. And, and do you know what? From my perspective, it was always her fault. Mm. It was never me. It mm. couldn't be me, could it? I'm, you know, I'm the successful guy. Why would it be me? It's, yeah, it's definitely look at look at what I've created, woman. You know, <laughs> like, are, are you not happy with this life? Like, oh, I'm King Kong. Like that's what another thing men men tend to think like well because I made the money, you know I should get X Y and Z. It's like no dude, when 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 you were first uh, trying to court Wendy, would you do like some crazy shit to impress her and like you know go above and beyond to get her attention? Yeah, I, I hired her. I actually headhunted her to get her to come work for me so I could actually so get her on a date. Okay, see this <laughs> okay. is the, this is the crazy shit that we do to try to get like our partners, and then we're like. Let's put on the Real Housewives of Orange County and drink two bottles of wine and fucking not talk. Oh, but not not only did I hire her, then I threw an entire company event for like 180 people to make sure she sat next to me. I mean, because I was the CEO, like, right, you will sit there. And how much did this cost you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I took I took the entire company to Amsterdam just so I could spend some time with her. So this is what I want to get across: is that we'll do some crazy ass shit. But then when our, our partner is laying right next to us, they're right down the hall, you know, it's it like, we won't do shit. We won't talk to them. We won't send them love notes. We won't send them flowers. We won't take them out on dates. Nope. And we think just because we went out and we hunted the buffalo that we should just be sexually serviced like, you know, wild banshees. Absolutely. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough, good, right? good description. Yes. Yeah. And it's just not the fucking truth. So here, here's a man successful. 
like good father, good husband, you know, like, and you weren't like out of shape by any stretch of the imagination. No, you, but everything was so-so. Yeah. Yeah. Body was so-so. Yeah. I mean, so the only thing that he probably had had like that wasn't so-so was, was, was a bank account. But then a lot of that money was, was, um, was stopping because you just like, you probably just had enough of being like, you didn't know it at the time that it would lead to, to this, but you, you decided to go back into business for yourself prior to the next 90. Yeah, just a little bit before, actually. Yeah. And that's how we connected because I rented a, a small executive suite and then met our mutual connection who ah, over right. a coffee said, hey, I'm doing these 90-day challenges. I was like, you better tell me all about that. And that's literally how I started binge listening to your content. <laughs> and from there we met. So I had XYZ. They were the first. The XYZ were the first. And they were they came through what we call blackout zero zero. It was we it was zero zero because we're like, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work. So we won't even give it a fucking number because <laughs> technically it's not our first. And then and then after XYZ became ABCD. So Mr. A was actually one of the first, actually the first to step through after that. So then we got uh, uh, B, C, and D. You did not know these men from Adam. No, nope, never met them before in my life. Yeah. And what was it like? Um, so part of the format is we, we, we met in person. We went through your gap map. Uh, then we set some 90-day targets, yep. right? And then, then you had to meet these, these men. What, what was that like? First, actually, what was the first call like when you got to hear from X, Y, and Z? I think it was a bit of a shock to the system. None of us knew each other. We were put on the phone uh, or put on a video call, and then we were asked to be quite open, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that I'm naturally great at anyway, as you as you well know. <laughs> well, in the English in general, like you guys like don't really share a lot of feelings. Stiff up a lip, young yeah, man. Stiff up a lip, young man. Yeah, <laughs> and a little little whip to the the hand with a with a yardstick. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we were we were put on the phone. We were. Um, we were encouraged to be open and to talk to people. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm okay to swear on here, right? Or yeah, that We call them Irish joining words. Yeah, um, Irish joining words. So I'm like, what the fuck are we doing talking about this stuff of four guys I've never met before? <laughs> and that was the that was the opening conversation, I remember. Yeah, and 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 so Mr. A did have a little bit of a time. It was weird because you would, you would open up to me. Like you would, you would open up like halfway. You'd tell me like a little bit of what I needed to know and enough to where I could figure it out for myself. And then you kept saying, well, I just don't know if I'm ready to share and I don't do well in the Voxer, but then we would get on our one-on-one calls and you would, you would really start to, to open up. I learned a lot about you and everything that was happening in your life. Um, but it's hard for, for like men, especially to be, to be vulnerable. Now I, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward real quick and we'll sure. come back. But so now how do you feel about Mr. B, C and D? Oh, they're just like brothers. I can tell them anything. Would you hold anything back nope. from them? Nope, not at all. Would you be f- afraid of being judged or, nope. you know, do you feel... I want them to judge me. Yeah. You know, I think I've said on the uh, on the video before that there are so many people that will tell you you're great when you're not. And right. I think I used a speech analogy. Right. And, uh, you know, you'll make a sales presentation or a speech to somebody and, and you've seen it. You've sat in the audience where everyone's looking around going, this person presenting is terrible. <laughs> and they come off stage and they're like, hey, oh, great, great job. job. Yeah. Like, really? Tell me I'm shit. Because we live in a world of fucking liars. Absolutely. Tell yeah. me I'm shit so I could do a better job next time. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so now you feel like completely bonded with these men. Uh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now we go, we go through the 90 day challenges and I want to just talk about some of the, uh, some of the wins. Um, one in particular, which most people want to hear about is the financial wins. Um, so two, two new companies. So I'm doing, um, I, I bought a small business and, um, I've set a new one up as well. Pretty much at the same time. I didn't expect to do two, but I, the, the opportunities fell in my lap. So I, I chose to do two at the same time. And they're interesting startups cause I've launched them both here in the UK. So I'm doing something unusual in terms of 
going back to both the areas I'm familiar with and, and double launching. But the thing that everyone probably wants to know about is revenue. Right. And in the last 90 days since I met you, we've doubled the revenue, close to trebled the revenue of both those businesses. Now, they're startups. We're not talking like we've not added hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But, but we trebled the revenue right. of those companies. And so one of the things that I, uh, <clears throat> I forced Kelly to do was put himself out there. He's an extremely intelligent man, well-spoken, got a lot of like knowledge of, of the industry that he was in. And so he started a thing called Kelly's Corner. I did. And Kelly's Corner was like a part of part of his core four. And what was Kelly's Corner? So Kelly's Corner was my, for want of a better word, daily blog or insight. It was sharing something around my business or something that I'd read that I found interesting and putting my summary and my spin on it. And and what happened with Kelly's Corner? I mean, it's it's grown. So it's it's a real... It's been a real challenge for me. It's really taking me out of my comfort zone right. because I'm not a naturally gifted writer. Some people can sit at a laptop and, and bang out a masterpiece in two minutes. Not me. It's a two-hour job. So I've really had to work at this. But not only have I learned a lot, but it's expanded now to probably 800 people. Wow. But the most important thing is that I've got two brand new customers as a result of talking to me from the information because, I've been pushing out. Because you out. put yourself out there, two customers reached out and gave you business. Yep. And and what like perspective on that? Was it massive amounts of revenue or? I mean, one of them is going to be 300 grand a year. $300,000 a year yeah. from putting himself out there. And, and now, that's that's margin. That's not revenue. It's, I know. It's nearly, yeah. Okay. I get it. So the revenue is probably 3 million on no, that, it's, right? it's, a, it's just under two. Just under 2 million. So like if I would have gone to him and said, hey, do this and someone will write you a check for 300000 He probably would have done it right away. But it's like you have to take that leap of faith. You have to go all in on you, right, and understand that you are worthy. And then all of a sudden the world reciprocates that. He creates value, creates value, creates value, asks nothing for it in return. He's got – I mean some of your stuff's got 4,000, 5,000 views, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. On consistently 800 people that have subscribed to this. Like, And he's pulled business out of this, 300000 net like that's what a lot of you guys don't understand is like putting yourself out there like sometimes gives you everything that you ever wanted. So so triple the revenues inside of his business. And I, I do that just because a lot of people here are money hungry and they think that, you know, money's going to solve all their problems. You actually turned down some money. I did. Yeah. They turned down $100,000. I did. Yeah. For an yeah. uh, advisory contract. And, and why did you do that? What was the main premise behind it? So... Why did you turn it down? Meaning, well, it was, so I turned it. So first of all, they come in. And the, the, I think the original offer was about sixty thousand bucks. And it no, was the a, original offer was thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. And I said, I gave you a challenge. I said you have to make twenty five thousand in your first thirty days. You did it in your first. <laughs> that's forty eight hours. That's right, actually, because I went back to them. I was like, okay, I've got this offer. I just go back and say no. Yeah. So I went back and said no, and they offered me more. Yeah, they doubled it. And and then I thought about it, and I was going to say yes because now it's this is you know this was whatever it was sixty seventy thousand dollars for five meetings a year. Right. But I realized it was a distraction. From what you ultimately wanted. Exactly, from my core business. Each of those five meetings was, a, a, you know, at least a week. It's going to be traveling abroad. They were going to be places in the UK, Cyprus, potentially Russia as well. And I knew that it was going to distract me from my core business. And within this core business, I've got partners. I've got people that are relying on me, men that I'm now leading. And I don't want to let them down by diluting my attention in too many different places. Right. So and I said no again, and they offered me even more money. I know they offered him up to $100,000, and he, I knew he was getting it. I was like, yes, because he's like, if it's not making me $100,000 a month, I'm going to say no. And I was like, yes, he's getting it. And, it's that, and that's what the, the focus and the clarity of living 90 days at a time provides. You also stopped smoking and stopped drinking. Yep. 
Yeah. And it's not that he was like an alcoholic by any stretch of the imagination, but you just realized that wasn't going to get you to where you wanted to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the the biggest thing for me over the 90 days, if you'd have asked me before, if you'd have asked me 91, well, 87 days ago, when's the last time you didn't have a drink? I probably couldn't have answered the question. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going out binge drinking. Right. I wasn't drinking tons. No, it was but just... I was consistently drinking every night. Right. I didn't realize I was drinking that much. We just got big wine glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The new wine glasses you literally can pour like. It's like half a bottle. You could, no, three quarters of a bottle in one. And you're like, it's one glass. You're like, oh shit, why am I fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, so I was doing the same thing. Hey, I was just two glasses of wine a night, but they're, they're just really and, big and glasses. So part, and part of this was his marriage. He felt like that, that was the way you were connecting with Wendy, but you guys weren't really connecting. You were just like. Coexisting. You're drinking buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh through Kelly's corner, you got you actually found some connection with, with Wendy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She because she started reading it. She started reading it, but more importantly, I'd come home and she'd start suggesting ideas for it. She said, Hey, I've seen this thing today. I think it's really interesting. I wrote an article on uh on Phelps, the swimmer. Yeah. And some of his views on getting to the finish line first. Mm. And um and then that all came from her. They were all like her ideas. So wow. we we spent some I would go of an evening and, and rather than being diving into my rather large glass of wine. You sit down and do some We'd sit down corner. and we'd talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And we'd come up with some ideas and we'd bounce this around and then I'd sit down at laptop and spend two hours trying to write so it. So now let me put things into context for the listeners. It's not that all of a sudden you started the next 90 program and your wife's like, oh, I want to sleep with you so much more because you're so much more attractive. Was there or was there not a lot of collision inside of this process? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think there's suspicion at first. Yeah. You can't suddenly change who you are. And actually when you've got a routine that's kind of working and everything's okay, People get used to that. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes changing it can cause a little like, friction. Wait, well, what are you doing? Like, where's my where's my buddy gone? You know, and and so sometimes the wives and the the, the husbands certainly that um, have had their wives do this type of stuff, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa don't change because they don't want to get left behind. And it's not that they don't love you; they don't want you to grow. They just it's 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 nerve wracking. You know, yep. it's it's change. But on the other side of change is is what we ultimately want, unless it's a negative thing. So. All right, so increased communication with the wife, not drinking. What about your physical body? Uh, started off weighing just under 170, so 169.8, which was my heaviest weight I've ever been. Right. And uh, this morning I was 156.1. And you put on muscle. Yeah, I've definitely put on muscle. Yeah. Um, so I've lost, you know, I've lost a chunk of weight. And my goal was to get to 154. So I've still got six days to go. Yeah. So you're possibly going to do it. Absolutely. So, uh, so triple revenues, increased connection with the wife. Uh, body being coming weaponized um and then one of the coolest parts was your your son started to notice something correct yeah, absolutely talk about that so um i mean a couple of moments one was you know sticking to my core for every morning so i'm sitting there in our little gym area and i'm meditating and my son comes in in the morning and disturbs me and my first reaction was that, ah, that's really annoying i'm in the middle of meditating here why are you disturbing me and then he sat and said dad what are you doing and we just had a really lovely conversation before he took himself off to school because once your kids are older and, and you're not driving them to school you you know when you are driving them to school every day you kind of go i can't wait for them to get their car and i haven't got this commitment but then you miss the actual time you get to talk to them but we just sat there having a delightful conversation and it really brought us closer so i you know i thoroughly enjoyed that moment and i learned at that point that just because he disturbed me and wanted to stop i got more out of it than i would have ever got out of finishing off that meditation and session. had you not been doing the meditation does that moment exist no not yeah. at all 
Never. And so that's what I, I'm trying to line up for the for the listeners here is that like it was all the work, it was the consistency in the work, them seeing him not drinking, them seeing him become a healthier version of him, they seeing him and mom communicating in a different capacity, which gave him permission to say, Dad, what is what is going on here? Absolutely. Had you had meditated prior to this? Nope. And and so he's doing something he's never done. They have a open open book conversation and, and they both get a lot of growth out of this. Um so He's had a massive amount of growth inside of the 90. Um, and it's a little bit prior to. And then we head into Blackout. Yes, we did. And you get introduced to Coach Garrett. Introduced, that's a, 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 a light word. A light word, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Indoctrinated is probably the... <laughs> terrified. Uh, terrified. So Coach Garrett is my right hand in this, and he uh, he uh, assists me in the Blackout and then, and then into the next 90. Um, he's an ex-SWAT DEA... Um, the undercover officer. So he kind of has that cop flair to it. And he's not the same, you know, I can be the iron fist, but I'm more velvet glove. So now you're heading into blackout. Mm-hmm. You have little or no details around where you're going or. I mean, yeah. no details of where we're going. Yeah. Undisclosed location. <laughs> get the, you get the plane tickets like 48 hours uh, prior, yep. which I knew drove you nuts because you wanted to get your TSA pre-check <laughs> and your fucking frequent flyer miles. But <laughs> Third world problems. I was looking for a first class upgrade, but, but I was told I was not allowed to do that either. And uh, rule number one is, is what? Uh, trust the process. Trust the process. Yes, trust the process. There is a method to the madness. So Mr. A heads into the, to the blackout. Um, which is on my ranch in an undisclosed location. Um, he doesn't even know how to get there because at some point uh, you just don't get a C. I won't elaborate more than that. But uh, <clears throat> so talk about the first like 15 minutes or so of, of, of blackout. For when we get to the airport or when we actually get, oh, to, we the get, actually get to the ranch? I mean, it's a shell shock. I mean, you're, you know, y- y- you can't really see where you're going. Yeah. Lost contact with my brothers, which kind of threw me out uh, of sync to start off with. Um, and then there's this huge wake up call where you hammer on the second point, which is details matter. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, oh shit, what are we going to look forward to in the next 49 hours and 59 minutes? How about like the first time you went through uh, like kind of the physical part and I go, gentlemen, <laughs> we are only 17 minutes into a 50 <laughs> hour excursion. What did you feel like at that point? Uh, I, I was too busy trying to recover from the first 17 minutes to even have much feeling. Um, I, 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 I don't know how far we're going to go into this, but I, uh, I nearly got quite injured. No, you did. First get, time you, around. You did, you did get injured. And, and I, I thought, oh shit, I thought your fucking ankle was gone. Yeah, so did I. But there was a part of me that was secretly like, damn, I've just got myself out, out of this with my head held high. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely pleased I didn't because it would have been terrible because I would have had to go back and finish it anyway. But yeah. at that point in time, feeling that zonked, literally 30 minutes into this process it was almost like a godsend well i thought i thought the whole thing was going to be fucked from that point forward because i'm like god damn we got it for our first injured man i mean it, and it was bad people like he he went down like he'd been shot <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh so he but he he i gave him an opportunity i said okay I'm like are you out and you said nope give me a minute give me a minute and then you went for a walk with uh with mr x kyle i did and you guys had a chat what, what was that chat about I mean, I, I think he just brought to life his experience. He, you know, shared the same, I think they went through exactly the same thing. The first 20 odd minutes was just complete mayhem and shell shock. Mm-hmm. And you go from, you know, a, a, a sub 100 resting heart weight to near max <laughs> within like 
30 seconds. So that, you know, physically is a huge challenge. Yeah. And, you know, some people adapt to that more than others. But for the vast majority of us, the vast majority of us, that's a struggle. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, and he put that into context. He shared his experience and more more about what he got out of it. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm not going to finish this. There's, you know, if I have to hobble this for the next 49 hours and 30 minutes, you, then I'm going to do it. And you did more than hobble, man. You, you stood tall and you, you held together the team and, and you fucking finished like a, like a champion. Uh, well, I think the team held together each other. Yeah. I don't think there was any one person what, held what together. Are the, what did the back of your shirt say? Uh, no man fights alone. Yeah. And that's that's how it is. Like, you know, at the end of it, um, and I'm probably going to do a whole podcast on this, is one of the guys around the table, member, he said, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Go together. Yeah. And that's kind of what the whole premise of Blackout is. So, but what was it like kind of taking all that you did in, in the next 90? And we can't really talk about a lot of the stuff we did inside of the Blackout in case there's men listening that are going to go or are, in, are wondering about it. What um, What was that like just being able to, free yourself of all the shit all the stories all the labels that you've been carrying for you know your 40 plus years i mean it's 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 completely liberating it's an opportunity to and it's the reason why i sought this out in the first place it's an opportunity to totally reboot just to go because i consider myself to be that person it doesn't mean i need to be that person and you know we spend so much time looking in reverse or looking backwards at the judgments we've got or the the labels that we carry, the reasons why we are the way we are, rather thinking about what we can be going forwards or what we need to do differently. And that really came to home to roost for me during that, you know, that first day. Right. And I mean, you opened up, I mean, he's not an emotional guy, as he said at the, at the original part of it. And wasn't emotional. W- guy. W- wasn't, <laughs> yeah, wasn't an emotional guy. How, when was the last time you cried? Oh, I can't, couldn't even tell you. 10 years? Yeah, I mean, probably once since I've been in the U.S., once or twice since I've been in the U.S. And in the last 10 years. Was it over death or what was yeah, it? Yeah, it would have been. So, and <clears throat> so, and I was wondering when this moment was going to happen because I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. And, you know, you and I exchanged uh, some powerful moments. And then, you know, there was a moment where you just cracked. I did, yeah. And, Absolutely. And it was like this floodgate of emotions came to the forefront. I mean, was that scary? Was that... Uh, I, it, I just got to a point where I, and I don't want to get too much into it because it will ruin the experience for everybody else, but it just, I started sobbing and I couldn't stop. And I'm just not, I just naturally don't cry. And I was really upset to the point where Mr. X and Kyle came over and and, uh, and he literally put his arms around me and said, it's going to be okay. And I was yeah. like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then, and, but you felt safe in that environment, right? I did, yeah. 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 I mean, so nothing we do inside of this is fucking crazy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, nothing we do inside of this doesn't have a purpose. And you know that's part of rule number one, which is trust the process. Yeah. Um, so uh, now you're sitting here, and uh, how does it feel to have now be able to say I'm Kelly Robinson and know what that means? Oh, it's great. I mean, I've got such a clear purpose. Like I say, we're still digesting it. Oh, it's only been a couple of days, so I'm I'm still taking so much out of that experience. Um, it, it's literally life changing. Yeah, and and I think my family and the people I work with and my partners are just going to see the benefit of this more and more so over the next however long. How was it coming home? Hey, you know what? I came home. I literally sat there. My wife was asking me. Wendy was asking me tons of questions, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> I was literally, <laughs> and I got up the next morning to look at my clothes, and I'm like, she's like you need to hose them off outside they're not going to the washing machine <laughs> they're that filthy oh yeah we definitely get uh we definitely get dirty 
what would you say to any man or, or woman listening that kind of doubts like living this 90 day lifestyle? I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know why you would doubt it. Okay. If you're, if you're attracted to this, if you're listening to the podcast and then you, then there's a message that's speaking to you and what this brings or certainly what it's brought for me is it takes, it takes that thing that most of us have done before, which is, you know, listening to Tony Robbins or some motivational podcast or some CDs or some books, you know, most people have experimented with that. And, and typically that's infectious for about a couple of days. What this does, it gives you the kind of tactical approach to make it continuous. Mm. I mean, if I can stop drinking for 90 days you and not anything. even miss it, then anybody who's listening to this can do whatever they want, whatever they set their mind to. Right. And 30 days is too short. I used to think giving up drinking for 30 days would be a massive accolade. It's like, oh God, if I could just give up for a month, that'd be good. I could really change my life. But I didn't. I went all out for 90 days. And then after 90 days, it's like, well, I don't even really miss it anymore. I think it needs that period of time. Right. 90 days. As I say, 30 days is too short. It a, is. Year, a year is too long. 90 days is like, it's like the little bear. It's like, oh, this is just right. Yeah. Um, and, and then what would you say to any man that's listening that uh, is, is bad, good, and is looking for, for great and inside of this experience, worth it or not worth it? Oh, 100% worth it. I mean, don't even think about it. Just do it. Just, just literally get started. Right. You know, reach out to you, talk to you, become involved in the brotherhood, work with a group of guys that you potentially never met or you wouldn't have met before. Right. And develop not acquaintances, but true brothers. So what do you think the future holds for you now that you've gotten a hold of this brotherhood and this lifestyle? Do you know what? I, I, I honestly can't even answer the question because I'm not sure I'm asking myself a big enough question. Mm. Um, well, you, you, know, just I an- told you just you answered it then. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I need to start ans- asking bigger questions. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I could, I can talk to you about business plans and so forth, but I, I can see so much that, you know, I'm just about to head up. I'm just about to finish my first 90. So mm-hmm. I think it's next Tuesday, um, my first 90 days are up and I'm now thinking about the next one. And so much has happened in the last 90 days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's making me ask bigger questions and, and, and dream that a little bit bigger and, and want more. I love it. I love it. So m- Mr. A, actually, I should say King Kelly. Thank you for your time here today on the podcast. It's got to be surreal that you were a listener of the park podcast, a binge listener. Now you're a participant. Absolutely. And Strange. It, and it may be your voice that, that pushes the man over the edge. I hope so. Yeah. So if you are a man and uh, you're a successful entrepreneur, you work in a high paid sales position, if, if you want to make the investment go all in on you and get the backing of your family, uh, email me, nick at ownthenext90.com. That's nick at ownthenext90.com. Subject line, London calling. Subject line, London calling. And I'll know that Mr. A, a.k.a. King Kelly, with the blue blood, it was his message that spoke to you and that this is something that's right for you. So email me. If not, in the meantime, you can head over to ownthenext90.com, download your gap map, figure out where you are, where you want to go, and what's standing in the way. Spoiler alert, it's fucking you and your stories and all the labels that you choose to wear. Start doing the core four and your life will start to see a dramatic improvement. Well, my friends, this is King Kelly and, uh, and I'm the King Dingling here, <laughs> leader of the, uh, the Next 90 Nation, saying until next time, own the Next 90. I'm out.